So who's starting? Damage. You are? Yeah. No, you guys made fun of me last time when I started, so go ahead. No, you said you would do it. You have a surprise. Billy, go ahead, dude. Welcome back to another episode of Shots Fired Podcast. <laughs> like the what, Well done, dude. Yeah. What? Well is, done. That was... That, that, that was that, the is that satisfactory? Of, well, the last time I did it... Um, well, the last time you did it, you like, welcome back to another just, episode of the Shots Fired Podcast. extremes right here. <laughs> you know what? Listen... This is episode 25. Let's just get it started, okay? Right. Start the intro. We're ready. Yeah, let's go. Hey, Coming to you from Northern California. Uh, negative plane, that's further, that's further. This is the Shots Fired Podcast. With your hosts, Sergeant Kyle Schoberg, retired police officer Mark Redlich, and Deputy Billy. We are America's leading law enforcement resource for training and tactics from experts in the industry. Here are your hosts. All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, today, if you're wondering who we have in the studio, it's our good friend, my good friend, Patrick. Uh, long history with him. We're really excited to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Well, so you do have quite an extensive background. So we did have an overwhelming response to our topic of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu within law enforcement in that integration. And with that, we decided, well, we need to bring someone in that's got a lot of experience. So you do have a lot of experience and I know you're really humble and you don't want to share some experience. You have some. (laughs) So you have an amateur background in Muay Thai in which you have won quite a bit of competitions and traveled a lot, right? Traveled some. I've won a couple amateur titles. Okay. Amateur titles. And then you also have a boxing background, which I know you've done Battle of the Badges. Uh, That's law enforcement competitions right yes and then you also have a jujitsu background yes and then within that you've also within the large northern california agency that you worked for also with a bunch of or a, a group of other officers helped create a defensive tactics class that is the first post-certified class for the state of california and then we'll get into that in just a little bit am i right on that with the back the yeah the I, I helped co-author the first uh, defensive tactics class that was post-approved, a 40-hour course that we got approved through our agency, approved through post, and that's a big deal. Longest, longest in-house uh, class they have going still. Nice, nice. Right. So we'll get into that, but right before we start that, let's hear a word from TACOPS. We're proud to announce we partnered with our new sponsor, TACOPS. TACOPS tactical training conferences and trade shows provide tactical training for patrol, SWAT, Tim's and Corrections. This year's events will host 50 tracks to choose from and a vendor show with over 100 exhibitors showcasing the latest products, technologies, and services. These events have something for everyone from lecture-based classes and incident debriefs to combative and live fire courses. They also provide instructor certifications in taser, pepperball, distraction devices, impact munitions, OC chemical munition, and an AR-15 armor course. 
In addition to the great training value, they host networking functions with entertainment and some great food and drinks. The events for 2022 are listed in the description. Please check out their websites, SWATConference.org. All right, so now that we heard of TACOPS, make sure you check out SWATConference.org. They got a conference coming up in the middle of April or the end of April and then one coming up the end of, what is it? I think it's August. Yeah, hopefully in August. Nashville. Yeah, Yeah, Nashville. Maybe we'll actually go to that one. Nash Vegas. Nash Vegas. Oh, yeah. And then a shout out to Girls Barbecue. I actually cooked with that this weekend. Uh, Super good spices. If you haven't checked it out, bam. Check it out online and order their product. What'd you cook? Uh, Hamburgers, actually. And I put the spices on it. And then I was just telling them what was even better is I made just pasta with ground beef and then. Alfredo sauce, and then I used a bunch of the jalapeno sauce, jalapeno flavor, and mixed that together, and it was phenomenal. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's fantastic flavor. I mean, um, when we, we we've said it the last three episodes, it's it's great. Like, I mean, it's super good. You can use it for a variety of different cooking stuff. So go yeah. check them out. Yeah, girlsbarbecue uh, um, and, and actually, under that, there's a box. Patrick, oh yeah, you got so, that box. Yeah, That's we got for you. So we got a, We got a gift for you uh, for being a guest <laughs> here on the show. Careful, it's breakable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tight squeeze, dude. Careful. <laughs> here, dude. Let's here. Uh, let me move your mic here. Shall I open it? Yeah, yeah open oh, it. Well, yeah, dude. That's what, that's what we're <laughs> oh, doing. Awesome. All right. Mark always. Every time I see Mark, he's wearing his. Show show I've everybody asked him several sh- times. Show everybody your uh, <laughs> how I'm able to get it. And he said. Your shots fired uh, yeah. hoodie you here. You do have to buy it. It's an exclusive club. Yeah, he's and probably we, gonna bill me later. <laughs> we, we actually have our. Uh, we've got our new logo, our sponsor on the uh, on the sleeve. So and get the mic now. in there. Yeah. So there you have it. It's got the tack ops. Unless on one you want of the to save the box. No, we can get rid of Some, that. Somebody probably use it for the next guest. Yeah, we, <laughs> pr- we probably will. We actually use that for the it's last one. Worn out. We'll spray paint it so it's a different color. Merry Christmas, dude. Oh, and happy birthday. Yeah. No, seriously, thanks for thanks for being here, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, I appreciate the invite. Yeah. So, so before we kick it off, I, I want to. I do have some icebreaker questions just to kind of get uh, get get the blood flowing and, and the brains and the brains kind of working here. So let me. Uh, <laughs> Good luck over here. <laughs> now, Billy's at an idle too. These yeah. my brains. These questions are for all of you guys. Now, don't cheat, Mark. Well, you're a cheater, dude. I noticed that last episode, um, Patrick. Since you're our guest. Um, I'll, I'll ask you first and then we'll move right. on to Billy and Mark. Um, I only have a few questions here just to, just to kind of kick this off. Um, so question number one, you ready? Go ahead. All right. Let's make sure we got the mic here. Go ahead. You get, you get to go. Yeah. All right. All right. Question number one is movies. Uh, out of the following movies, I'm going to ask you what would be your number one rated movie. Okay. Okay. All right. Are you a movie guy? Yeah. All right. <laughs> and a music guy an eighties, yeah, eighties music. Yeah. Legend SWAT. The movie SWAT, okay, the new one, Starsky and Hutch, or The Other Guys. Those three police movies, which one are you going with? Number one. <laughs> They're all horrible. Um, the Other Guys. Okay, why is that? Because it's funny? Yeah, because you, you watch SWAT and you still laugh at that, and it's not really made to be a comedy. Okay, all right. <laughs> so. All right. That's, that would be actually my number one pick too. So the other guys, yeah, yeah Mark mine too. Those other ones are garbage. Okay, that was like a, that's an easy question, yeah. dude. Starsky and Hutch is pretty good. Whatever nah. the All one right. with uh, you guys ben are haters. Stiller? Yeah, you haters. Snoop Dogg was in it. I, I like the Snoop Dogg. <laughs> all right, so we're going with uh, the other guys. All right, cool. Are you we read all this question that you wrote down, or are you just gonna try and make something up? What? 
you, you couldn't figure out how to ask the question last time when you wrote it down. Well, just read it. Mark, just go with the flow, dude. Okay. Who's this, this going to? Who's this question for? What, dude, I'm asking oh. all of you guys a question, oh, okay, but, but okay. Patrick goes first. Oh, okay. He's the guest. Okay. All right. So this is on him. <laughs> yes. All right. This is characters. This is how we treat our guests. Yeah. <laughs> we give him a sweatshirt. And Char- and characters yeah. right out of a fire. movie. Characters out of a movie. Maverick from Top Gun, Jason Bourne, or James Bond? Which James Bond? Oh, um, fuck. You had to ask me that. Let's go with the newest version. I didn't see the newest. I, did, I know. Uh, what's his name? Craig. Uh, yeah. The actor. Yeah. 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 Guy's married to Rachel Weiss or whatever. Um, I, uh, I don't for the life of me. I can't think of his last name. I go with him. You, you, so you want to pick James Bond? That James Bond. Yeah. Okay. The old right. one or the new one? The new one. Uh, the newest. Yeah. The newest one. Like, who, who played? I, I can't remember what his name is, but I, yeah. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's who you're choosing. All right, Billy. How about you? Oh, I'll take Roger or uh, Sean Connery, James Bond, if I'm allowed to pick. <laughs> okay, I guess we're picking what James. Yes, you can pick that. Go. I ahead. can pick yeah. that. Uh, yeah. If- you want to be James Bond? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Okay. If not, I mean, like Maverick seems pretty cool too. Because yeah, like, I always want to fly a jet. Yeah, yeah that's what. But I'm it thinking. seems like that was a lot of work. Like. You have to learn to fly a jet. I just want to fly a jet. I don't want to like, okay. do all the work going I, up to it. I would. Maverick. Who's yours? Maverick. Maverick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, mine would be Maverick too. Yeah. I like it. All right. Some cool. Says you wouldn't pass a school, but that's fine. Yeah, I mean, fucking who want, who doesn't want to fly, fly a jet, jet fighter pilot. Or be like a jet Charlie pilot? Sheen in, what was that? <laughs> Garbage Hot Man? Shots. Hot Shots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Topper no, Harley. Right. Topper Harley. That's where I'm going with. I, don't, I think his best movie was the Garbage, Garbage Guys. Or Garbage. Oh, uh, What's the Garbage? Minute Work. Minute Work. work. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, yeah. Emilio. Yes, that is awesome. Little brotherly love there. (laughs) All right. Shoot the guy with the pellet gun. (laughs) All right. Last, last question. Um, Which animal would you rather be? A wolf, a lion, or an eagle? A wolf, lion, or an eagle? A wolf, because you're you're in the woods more. Okay, so you're woods woods guy, outdoors guy. Yeah. All right. Cool. I guess you'd be an eagle too and still be in the woods. Yeah, that's true. Where they live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Billy? Uh, I'd go wolf because I like the, you know, the pack and okay. in the woods, you know. It seems like you got your, your homies with you and you got your protection. Well, I just asked you before the show if my truck, truck broke down, if you'd come pick me up and you said no. No, I'm a wolf. I leave you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. You're the behind. <laughs> uh, that's, that's another story, but um, <laughs> my, my truck. Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Mark, what's your answer? A wolf, lion, or an eagle? I'd go eagle. Why? Because they can fly and they're fucking badass. Okay. Like a bald eagle? Yeah, hell yeah. Have you ever yeah. been to Alaska? No. Okay. Eagles in Alaska are like, Straight up like uh, pigeons here. <laughs> really? No oh shit. yeah, they're like in the. They're you go to the dump and and uh, they're everywhere in like northern Alaska and huh? It's like bald eagles everywhere eating trash hmm. and wow. There's a lake in northern California that has a couple of them and uh, we did like rented houseboats and camped on it mm-hmm. and dude they were like next to our boat on the ground and this thing was like two feet tall. Yeah, it's awesome. Have you wow. seen one in person? Well, just the one that you, on your tattoo. I thought you were gonna have to refer to your leg. No, to dude. Oh, your oh, oh, I do you have, have a tattoo? huge. I do have a huge eagle tattoo. Dude, goes American up his flag. thigh. Yeah, up, ankle all yeah. the way up, high thigh. 
Uh, Statue I think you should have done the middle of your body and the beak. I mean, never mind. That's a wing spread. <laughs> I was almost hoping you picked something else so I could. Well, no, so, I know because yeah. I know I looked at you. I was like, I, he better say the eagle. It's tattooed on his body. He's going to refer to his. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. His favorite right. animal. <laughs> I we actually said last episode that uh, we wanted to make some new swag other than hoodies and stuff, and um, I, I think it was Mark that said he wanted jorts. And um, now I can see why. Jorts? Yeah, jorts. No, I think I want the I still oh. want the jorts. Okay, well, whatever. We'll make some jorts, but Mark, you're going to wear Daisy them. Daisy Duke jorts. Some, so. Yeah, some Daisy Duke, so we can show your eagle, dude. Speaking of clothing, who are you giving the shout-out to that? You just sent somebody a material, some swag. I sent a lot of stuff out, dude. You did. There were quite a few people. Yeah, I, I, we did send quite a few hoodies out this week, so I hope you guys all got them. Um, all right, should we, should we get into this? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right. Um, we do want to give, um, a couple listeners asked some questions this week, uh, because we have a guest, we want to get into this, this episode. So, uh, narrowed it down to two questions. And, um, I, I think it'd be cool if all three of us gave, gave our input on the question. Um, the first one was, um, can you guys touch on getting hired, uh, for police and having a college degree or not? And does military help? I think we've probably, I think maybe we, we touched on this before, but, um, Revisit. Everything helps. It's yeah. easy. Easy. Uh, military definitely helps. College definitely helps. None of it is necessary. Yeah, I, li- I like that answer. Or none of it's n- needed. It's not a. Well, so some agencies do require it. Usually, there's a lot of agencies in California that are requiring sixty units. Yes. Yeah. It's not a degree. It's for, just credit. Yeah. It's just units. And for the most units. part, they're going to give preferential uh, to people with bachelor's degrees. Yeah. But it is uh, most. There's a lot of departments that it's not a requirement. Yeah. yeah. But military, I think, is, is huge, and it helps, and it should help. I, I agree yeah. with what, what you say. Pat, what, what do you think? Um, yeah. For someone, for me, like I ended up getting picked up with the 60 units, came back, got my degree when I was actually working. Um, You're a BA? Yeah. Okay. Ended up getting my bachelor's. Um, but. Was that ideal? No, I wish I would have finished it prior. Because yeah, I feel you, you get, on that. You get in the work mode, you start, everything mm-hmm. starts blogging down, and then you just end up putting it off, putting it off, and yeah. then it becomes a... And then, yeah, at that point, it just becomes like a ta- like like an annoying task that yeah. you just put off, you know? So, like, I, I agree with you. Like, I started my degree, and then I got hired when I was in college. So, I dropped out of college, and to this day, I have not gone back, and that was 15 years ago. So, um, But there's some places, there's an incentive to have that degree. Uh, most places are are so I, I i guess if you're asking if it's required i mean i don't know like some agencies do require it um most don't do i think it's an absolute needed thing to be successful in your career i, I don't now the higher up the food chain you go and promoting and stuff then oh, i think it's you're gonna need one it. of the dumbest requirements that law enforcement has ever done yeah i mean i'll take street experience versus street smarts yeah i'll take the college degrees are completely worthless when it comes to <laughs> law enforcement but when it comes to getting hired somebody's put a lot of weight in them and yeah. um, they definitely help. Yeah. So I don't know. That's in my opinion. I hope that answers. My opinion's not going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that answers your, your What's question. Your other one? What do you got? Um, hang on here. Um, and then just a quick shout out to um, Jason. I uh, won't, won't say his last name, but uh, reached out to me uh, a little while ago about some interview tips for, to be a dog handler there. His agency posted a position. He wanted it. Um, we chatted back and forth. I gave him some, I don't know, my own personal advice that I thought may help him out for his interview. Um, and then he just messaged me today and said that he actually got the position. So we just wanted to say congratulations to you, dude. Um, 
you know, being a dog handler for, you know, seven plus years, uh, time of your life, get ready for, um, for some hard work. And, uh, it's almost feels like you're starting all over again, but, uh, yeah, we just want to say congratulations to you, man. Um, that's, that's awesome. All right. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's jump into this here. Um, the whole reason we, we have Patrick on the show today. Um, again, we mentioned it, Mark mentioned it. Um, our last episode was, uh, got a lot of attention on the jujitsu topic for police. Um, it is, it is a huge topic that I think has come up in the last couple of years. And, and, um, in your world, you've been doing it for so how, how many years you've been doing uh, jujitsu about 10 years. Okay. So in your world, you know, it's it, it, obviously you've been doing it for so long, but would you agree that within like just the last couple of years, it seems like it's been a more of a popular thing for police to be getting involved in? Definitely. Um, and I think there's several reasons for that. Um, one, I think departments see the need for it because it is, um, ju- if you look at like jujitsu and wrestling, a lot of it is just, you take the submissions out of it. It's controlling. It's, it's knowing it's, it's, yeah. it's body movement. It's being able to control a subject. It's, it's that familiarity, um, of trying to control someone who's, who's possibly violent and ultimately gaining control and getting them into custody. And a lot of that is just based off certain positioning, um, and movements that you'll see a lot in jujitsu and in wrestling. Okay. So, um, give, give everybody just kind of, I know Mark kind of gave you a little, a little background of yourself, but how long were you in law enforcement? Um, you know, what were some of the assignments that you held and ultimately, you know, your, your fighting jujitsu background with Muay Thai, like how, how did you get involved in that? And then what's your experience in that? Um, my background in law enforcement, um, I'm retired now. Um, I was a little over 13 years. Um, was at a large agency, um, Northern California ended up doing patrol, um, had an assignment to uh, crime suppression team a couple times, ended up the last five years I spent on uh, a full-time tactical team. Okay, cool. Um, as far as uh, Muay Thai, I started doing that, I don't know, it's probably early 20s, started doing it, um, started going to like the local shows. I was living out in the Midwest and going there and you're like, okay, well, I think, you know, or I, I've trained with that guy before. I think I could he just beat this guy. So mm-hmm. gets you working. You're like, Oh, I'll start. Maybe I'll sign up for the next one. So started, started fighting. Um, I think I had my first MMA fight. It was out there. They had like a local, um, amateur series. I ended up, I think it was in 2000. Um, so it was a while ago. Um, ended up competing in that, um, won my first fight. It was like a 10 minute round. Um, all, all 10 minutes? Just 10 minutes? Just go? It was 10 minutes, yeah. Damn, like, dude, that's fucking uh, brutal. So, I'm out. It, it, was a ten, yeah. it, was, it was one 10-minute round. I ended up winning uh, with rear naked choke, like, nine minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, like, shit. Yeah. And, like, the next day I woke up, and I was like, I thought I'd been in a car accident. I was, I couldn't even get out of bed. Like, I was fucked up. And, um, but it kind of, you know, but it, you start building off that. And, you know, in there, you're like, I've got to do more striking. I've got to do, I've got to learn more jiu-jitsu. i got to start doing more. Um because I was getting manhandled up until the point I won. And this is obviously before you were a cop, right? Yes. Okay. How, how long did you train before that fight? Like start to that, like six months or was it years? Yeah, it was probably in? six months. It was, you know, you used to go to the shows and watch it. And then, um, you're like, got, got me going into it. And, um, then you start out there, they had, uh, an amateur circuit. So yeah, they didn't have a boxing commission so they could run amateur shows all the time. So, like, out here in California, 
they have a boxing commission, so it's all got to be regulated and everything else. So fighting out here was different than fighting like back in the Midwest in the early 2000s. What, what skill or what, what did you take into that ring? What were you training in? Muay Thai? No, I started like the place I was going to, um, they they considered it like submission grappling. Uh Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't Brazilian jiu-jitsu base. It was a little bit, it was a little bit of wrestling with a little bit of submission, but it was very, it was very watered down. And then, but it kind of opened your eyes. Once you start branching out and going to these other places, you're like, okay, the place I'm training at isn't very good. (laughs) So you, you need to make that next step. And, Mm making that next step training with other guys you kind of swallow your pride because now you're you're moving into you know a bigger gym where guys are a lot better and they you know you're just getting you're starting from the bottom again mm-hmm. so so you won your first fight yes. your, your first uh, mma amateur fight and then kind of how did it progress from there you're fighting um it was just something that started out as a hobby um still still was it was never got you know i was never going to go pro or do anything like that but it was you know you, you, i'm spending that time in the gym so i was like well why why aren't if, if i'm not if i'm not training for a fight then why am i training mm-hmm. um you know i'm spending the time in the gym and, and it became like your social life too so you're um you know my friends were at the gym so you know you're like you go up you show up there and you hang out you know roll you or you box and hang out with your buddies and do it again the next day. And it was like, it became more of a social life than anything else. So that part of, you know, a lot of people think, Oh, you know, you gotta, you gotta be angry to, to, to fight or to to box. And it's like, no, the guys, the guys you you're working out with, I mean, there's some of your best friends. So, you know, um, so you're actually controlled the whole time. You're not trying to physically hurt somebody when you're training. Yeah, I mean, you, there's a point you you want to, but you don't want to, you don't want to knock you, you don't want to break your friend's jaw or something like. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you guys are there for the same purpose. Well, it, you know, it's Kyle's color. not your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait. You want to break his jaw? <laughs> Dang! Yeah, it's messed up, dude. But every, everybody, it's, it's it's a hobby, and the, and the more you do it, the you know it's it's not. It doesn't seem like this violent act. You know, yeah. it's. Yeah, you, know, you watch. No one watches football and think, "Oh, it's it's violent." It's because these guys train. That's what, I mean. That's what they train for. They go out there. It's a job. It's it's fun. And a lot of these guys are probably in the NFL. If they weren't in the NFL, they'd probably still be playing. You know, because they enjoy it. You know, yeah. it's, and that's kind of how jujitsu was and boxing was with me. So, so how, how long did you train before you came an officer? Do you think? Um, I don't know. Probably about six, seven years. And then what were those jujitsu? Did you? So I started out like in the submission grappling, but I for me like I I didn't. It was hard. I then I went to a jujitsu gym, so I started training jujitsu uh, for about a year, and then I started going to a Muay Thai gym, and then it was so I started. Uh, I had a fight in Muay Thai, um, so I started training in that, and it was hard for me to like to try to do both. So it was kind of like there's spots in my life where I'm training stand up or I'm training jujitsu, but I typically wasn't training both. Even now, I'll do some stand up, but ma- mainly everything's jujitsu now. Well, I have a question like what can you just explain to everybody like what is the difference between jujitsu and muay thai? Muay thai is just um it's a, it's a striking, it's um you know, it, it's kickboxing. You you're kicking to the legs, you're elbowing, you're kneeing. Um okay. you know, you can you can strike from the clinch in the clinch whereas boxing you can't. You've got to have that clean break. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so that's Muay Thai where jujitsu is the, it's going to be the takedowns. It's going to be, um, the submissions and the groundwork. So is it kind of similar to like wrestling? Yeah, it's very similar to wrestling. And you see a lot of these guys who are very good wrestlers end up being very good jujitsu guys. Um, 
you know, guys who wrestled in high school or in college, then, you know, to keep that going, mm-hmm. they start. Okay. Transition to jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you made the, you went from jujitsu to Muay Thai and then you trained in both. Why did you go from one to the other? Uh, like Muay Thai is kind of like my first love. Like I've, I, I like it. I I've always enjoyed it. Um, but as you get older, like it's a little easier to train in jujitsu than it is to train in get, Muay Thai. As get you fucking get kicked and need. Yeah, but I mean, jujitsu is rough too, though. Like I've had my yeah. injuries. You know, I ended up with a spiral fracture, my tibia and fibia, uh, a couple years ago. It was actually three years ago this month. Spiral fracture on my tibia and fibia looked like a shattered candy cane. They had to rot it. They had to screw it back together. So all because yeah. you wouldn't tap. I, I didn't. The guy had me a, a heel hook. And I didn't tap, and so my, my leg shattered. Yeah. Was that like in a competition or at training? Yeah, it's a Sunday, Sunday morning. Jesus Christ! But I mean, it's you know he felt bad about it. I mean, it was it was my fault. Yeah, he fucking shattered your leg. I'd feel bad too. Yes. You know, <laughs> at, at the time, I mean, like, at what point you're like, all right, dude, I, like I know I'm about to snap your leg in half. Like, yeah, does that not happen at training? <laughs> it, it's but yeah, but your it's foot kind is of backwards. Yeah. Well, he was like, oh, my God, I, I broke your leg. And I was like, no, you didn't break my leg. Because, you, you, like, you know, you get that adrenaline dump. You're like, how, how, how hurt am I? Yeah. And you don't, kind of don't in a minute. And he's like, no, 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 no your leg's broke. <laughs> and, like, everyone kind of stands up there like, we, we heard it. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and then, you know, had to call um, the ambulance. Yeah, I was going to say the ambulance. <laughs> yeah, and they had to, you know, wheel me out, do surgery that night. And Damn, dude. Know, that's brutal. brutal. Shit. It, yeah. But you still train. You just have that, that passion for it. Yeah, and I, well, I felt I was like, I can't let this slow me down. I mean, it, it has slowed me down. It's affected me a lot. You got um, it. Yeah, but I didn't want. Yeah, it's been it's been a part of my life for too long. Where it's like, you it's know, not gonna be you. Yeah, it's it's. I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, a lot of it's the friendship, like the friendships that you made at the, you know, going to going to jujitsu and stuff. You're like, I want to I want to keep that. It's hard to keep it when you're not training. Yeah, true. Um, what when you became a police officer? I mean. And you started getting getting into some scuffles or fights or like you know people that resist you or whatever. Like, did you did you immediately just feel comfortable going hands on with people? Um, you know, given your background in in, in jujitsu and Muay Thai, like how how did that affect you with the job of becoming a police officer? Well, kind of. So, I think any new officer, you kind of have your. Um, as you're learning the job, you're like, what are, what am, not, not what am I allowed to do, but basically, you know, you, you start, you start learning, um, when it's appropriate to use certain levels of force. And as being, being a new officer, um, when I was doing that, you, you start, you know, you, I, I tried to be proactive. I tried to go out there and, um, you know, make arrests. So yeah, you get in foot pursuits, you get in somebody who, um, might be violent, but a lot of it is you're like, okay, well, you're always, you always have that in the back of your head. This person might be armed. This part, you know, what if they, what if they have a knife? What if they have a gun? But a lot of that is at some point I've got to take this guy into custody. I've got to go hand and I'm not, and this guy's not going to do it uh, voluntarily. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to get cuffs on this person. Yeah. So, um, that's when that transition of, you know, position control, um, you know, to get that compliance ultimately, or just, Maybe I maybe I had to get more people there, but for the meantime, this guy I'm stuck with this person, and I've got to try to control them, slow that fight down, and wait for others to get there, get this guy in custody. Well, I, I think most of the issues that we see in law enforcement with with use of force is 
I'd say 90% of it is lack of training. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say the other 10% is an infamiliarity with violence. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're, That's huge. I, I, you know, violence is a term that people are like, Oh, we don't want to use it, but there's a time to be violent and there's a time to not be violent. And those that, that, that switch flips up and down real quick sometimes in law enforcement. So I think that that's, you know, people who aren't willing to be violent. Cops need to be violent sometimes, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. And, um, you know, that sometimes people are like, oh, I can't be violent towards this person. Well, you kind of have to be. And that's, that's the way I look at it. But they don't really teach you that in the academy to be really aggressive and you're going to have to be violent. Like they teach the standing. We had talked earlier standing handcuffing but they don't really go into like hey this guy is turning and he is fighting you or they're this person is struggling to get away and you got to control that they don't really teach you that well i mean yeah and they don't and they and that's we've you know we're going to beat the dead horse again but you got to get your own training totally kind yeah. of thing but other than that it's you know if you're if you're apprehensive to use violence if if you're putting handcuffs on a guy and he goes to turn on you and you're waiting for that person to turn on you, then then you're getting into a situation where you could have, you know, we're going strikes, which look bad maybe. Uh, we're getting into control holes and different things like that, going into ground fighting. Whereas if you just, you start to feel that movement because you've recognized it before and you've trained in it and you maybe just push away and get your distance and go to your taser or something else or wait for your partners to show up. Well, I think you touched on it right there. It's that recognition. Yeah. It's, it's when you spend that time on the mat, whether you're wrestler or jujitsu, and you start to feel oh, this guy's, he's starting to, he's starting, he, he was prone. Now I make contact with him. Now his arms, now he's, he's building his base back up. He's going right. to try to get back up. Yeah. Being able to recognize that and cut it off and take control of that mm -hmm. before next thing you know, the guy's back on his feet and the fight continues. Right. Um, try to let, you know, you don't want to level playing field. You want to be in that advantage, but yeah. and trying to be able to make those reads prior to that. Um, is crucial. Yeah, I think part part of the problem is is um, I would say the vast majority of cops don't don't train that, and, and so when someone, well, okay, there's a big difference between someone resisting and someone that's actively fighting you and trying to hurt you. Um, I think cops confuse the two. Um, do you have someone that's okay? So when I when I say like someone actively trying to resist you, I I, I mean like someone's trying to get away from you. They're trying to get away from you, wrestling or whatever, right? So they may put up a little bit of a struggle, but they're trying to ultimately escape you. They don't want to fight you. They just want to get away from you, right? right? Run, run, right? But then you have the the opposite, which I, I think doesn't happen as frequently. But then you have the person who physically wants to hurt you, and they're not trying to get away. They're trying to attack you and beat your ass or potentially yeah, kill you. A, I think there is, I, I, I think there's a yeah. vast difference in that. And, and a lot of cops mistake the two. Right. And so, um, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but no, I, I do because there's, you got, you got the people who want to put that distance between you and them. Yes. Because they're looking to get away. Yeah. And then you have the people who are closing that distance because they want to hurt they, you. They want to visit you. Yeah. You're, you're an armed person and they're still advancing on you. I've had it where you do a traffic stop guys cooperative getting out of the car and then they physically fight you to the ground and you're just like you go from the mindset that's, of I'm that's but that you're you're miss when it becomes there there is a huge difference once it becomes something but at yes. the beginning stage it is the same is what i'm saying oh, okay, okay i, I see, see yeah the initial yeah, i'm contact. not saying look i'm not saying someone running away from me and someone fighting with me are the same i'm saying at that beginning stage oh you're there's still not yeah. a yeah. there's not a huge difference there is yeah. a difference still and that's works on what you've done and 
and what you've recognized and everything. Think- but in the beginning stages, they, it, if you, if you react appropriately quickly, you stop a fight and you stop a run at the same time. The same action can do the both. That's why I say there's not a huge, huge amount of difference. I think where cops get into a bad situation is where um, they're, they're not expecting someone to f- physically attack them because it doesn't happen all that often, but it does happen, right? Where someone wants to bring the fight to you, um, right? Like we use that a lot in, in the canine world. Again, it's like when I send my dog out, I want my dog to go pick a fight with somebody. Um, there's not a lot of bad guys out there that actually want to pick a fight with a cop. They Generally, they want to get away and create the distance, like you said. But what gets cops in a bad situation is when that person does want to pick a fight with them and they do want to hurt them. And it may be in their mind that I'm going to kill you and maybe I'm going to take your gun away from you and shoot you with it. Um, you know, there's a lot of videos out there where, you know, suspects are actively resisting. Um, you know, they're assaulting the cop. They're probably, probably getting the, they are getting the best of them. They're punching them in the face and cops just have no idea how to defend themselves. They have no idea how to, um, you know, use, um, ground fighting to their advantage. Um, and then ultimately they're getting themselves into these shootings where they're getting their ass beat and then they're, they have no other recourse to go to other than pulling their gun out and shooting them. Well, and I think a lot of times too, when you're afraid you're, you're not willing to engage somebody, they mm-hmm. make that read and they're like, this guy's not going to grab me. Like yeah. the bad and guy. Then, yeah. And yeah. then it escalates from there yeah. where is if you would have gone hands on right away, if you know, you're lawful to have the lawful right to detain this guy, mm-hmm. you go hands on right away. Um, that can just let, just let them knowing that you're willing to grab them. I think it's a game changer in itself. And sometimes they're always going to fight you. But when you sit there and you let it escalate, I mean, when when me and Mark worked together, you know, we'd pull up on somebody else's call and you'd see that this guy's, you know, irate, yelling. No one's controlling this guy, walking back and forth. And it's like this guy's on probation or something. Hey, this guy needs to be in a car, grab him, detain him. And the next thing you know, he's cool, easy to talk to and run him, get him out of there. But it's the fact that people stand back and they're letting this person dictate what's going on it, it may it puts a dangerous situation for everybody and that's yeah. a, that's a fear of policy though that's well, uh, policies no, are going towards that not not just policy there is policies in it but i think it's because a lot of people and you said at the opening people don't and have not been in fights they haven't been in those physical altercations they go through the academy and you're fighting someone that you know and then when you're done they're done like they, they're not going to continue to fight you and then when you go out on the street and you deal with a real person, yeah, it's a shock. Is, it's a shock. You're afraid. You don't know how to take it. You don't know how much you can do. That person, you you don't really at the beginning know if that person is trying to beat your ass or if they're trying to escape. And I think you did bring up a good point. When you've been in them after a while, you start to figure out this person is trying to get away. Mm-hmm. And that's a different type of a control of that person versus the one that's turning on you and trying to grab your nuts or grab your gun and wants to punch you. That's a total different type of fight. And I think that's the importance of reaching out and learning different type of ways to protect yourself. Well, a lot of times you're talking about if someone's trying to escape from you or someone's actually actively trying to hurt you. Oftentimes, you've got to face someone to fight them, right? Mm. And if someone's giving me their back and they're pulling they're probably trying to put distance between an officer. Uh, you know, they're trying to get away, but they're looking you dead in the eye and they're got their hands on you and, you know, they're spitting in their talk. I mean, they're there, they're there for the fight. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got a chance are, they've got to face you to fight you. And if you're looking at their back, they're trying to get away. 
It, there's one incident, which we'll get into how, when you created the class. I had gone through it, but me and another officer had got this guy on the ground and then he turned and was fighting us and he grabbed my nuts and I was punching him as hard as I could. And he was literally looking at me saying, Oh, it's going to be like that. And if I didn't take your class, there'd be no way I could, I mean, it would have been fuck. I don't know, to be honest, but I think having that extra training, but, but now we're going to a, a point in law enforcement where there are multiple agencies. I don't know if it's majority or whatever that are saying you shall not strike. Yeah. I mean, that, there are departments yeah, yeah, that I mean, are saying do. that. And that's what I'm saying is now you took that away, then, then, okay, I can't strike this guy. I can't get a good control hold on him. And now this guy's punching me. I'm about to lose consciousness. Sorry, here we go. Now I can't strike. So I'm going to go to my gun. And that's, I do see what you're saying. that's, yeah. that's the stupidity that we have in law enforcement policy. Yeah. Our policies are horrible. But I, I think that's why, jujitsu needs to play a bigger role in law enforcement because you know i think people think oh i, I do jujitsu or um i've got to i've got to win i'm gonna win this fight i'm gonna mm-hmm. win. yeah winning the fight is great but you've got to survive mm-hmm. and it might take just slowing that fight down hey i might not i'm in a bad position i might have to lock this guy down but i've got to get out that radio traffic i need people coming i'm, I'm in a fight for my life at this point i got somebody on top of me you know, I've already taken several shots. I've got to, I've got to get that radio traffic out, and I've got to be able to slow that fight down so somebody else can get there and help me out. And it's, it would be great, like if you know, people started training, officers started training jiu-jitsu, and and they were getting these bad situations, and they're winning every fight. But the reality of it is, is you know, you're oftentimes caught off guard, mm-hmm. you're put in a bad situation, so you've got to slow that fight down and try to change the course of it. And you got that though, right? From jujitsu where you're always doing that and you're trying to when you're when you're doing jujitsu and i think people just for clarification people think that ufc fight is jujitsu and that's incorrect right a a, a, a majority of ufc fighting i mean is almost every i'm sure everybody in the ufc trains jujitsu right they have a they have a jujitsu background at some point but for those that have trained it when you go to the ground or when something's happening it's normal or slow speed. Like if someone were just to attack you, you'd be caught off guard for a second, but then you could easily make that transition and know what you're doing and have like the mindset that's slower where other people might be racing. Right. It's, it's not always, you know, you said I could make that transition. It's not always easy. And there's certain positions that I might do on a, on a mat that I would never want to do. You know, I'd never want to be on my back on the street where someone's over me. I've got, you know, I'm sandwiched between a suspect and concrete mm-hmm. and my head's bouncing off the the mat i don't, I don't want to fight off my back um you know that was one thing in, in that class we t- the, the sprawl like trying to main trying to keep that fight on your feet as long as you can to try to break this person's posture get them down on the ground get in that advantageous or advantageous position and try to gain control of them. wear them out but you've got to start thinking ahead you know oh you can't be like oh my god i'm going to the ground i'm going to the ground um you know a lot of stuff, I think if you don't train jujitsu, a lot of the stuff that you think is natural to do, like turn away from some you someone gets on your back. I'm gonna turn away from them. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to posture up where you should be trying to slow that fight down, not give up your uh the the not give up the back. So a lot of times what you think should become natural, it, it might be wrong. And you're not gonna get that unless you train that, unless you're put in those positions, unless you actually practice that.
Okay, uh, we had to take a quick break, Billy. Billy, I actually just had to get called out. So uh, we're going to continue the show um, w- without him. Um, yeah, it's an important topic. It's, it's super to. important. And I, I have a question, and that is, I, I know there's a lot of controversy with departments and wanting to teach jiu-jitsu. They, they don't want to teach jiu-jitsu. They, you know, a, a lot of departments just flat out don't want to teach officers you know, fighting. They don't want to teach them ground fighting. Um, I think they the word fighting to them just sounds you know, violent. Um, the, I, I, I guess my biggest takeaway, what, what I want to know is, you know, in your opinion, you, you're, you're a police officer for a long time. You worked at a busy, I, I was, yeah, you, you were, <laughs> but, but you worked at a busy, uh, big department. Um, you've trained fighting the vast majority of your adult life and you've been in several confrontations. You've been in lethal confrontations, um, I, I, I want to know from your perspective, like how important is this stuff? And, you know, what do cops need to be educated on ground fighting to, de- to defend themselves, even if it is just to, you know, maybe put someone in, a, in some type of move where they can get on the radio and get, get back up there to help them put, take somebody into custody. Um, you know, how, how important is it and how uneducated is the law enforcement community and ground fighting as far as importance i believe it's it's something that it keeps training in, in something like jiu-jitsu or having a background in jiu-jitsu and in uh, wrestling you are less of a risk to those around you and to the general public when you're able to control a combative subject okay um all right and especially in a day and time now where everything is videoed um, whether that's body camera, whether that's someone on the iPhone or surveillance, the optics of jujitsu, you know, there, there might be a, a point where, you know, pugilistic strikes are acceptable. Um, and maybe that falls within your uh, department policy, but how, how does that look on, um, the news? And a lot of, a lot of it is optics. Now the departments are so afraid of some, it could be completely justified, mm-hmm. but they are they're scared to death of what it looks like on the news. So it, when you're able to control somebody, whether that's using jujitsu or wh- some other technique, um, you are able to try to, you, you're, you're, you're safer as an officer, but you're safer to the general public as well. Cause that fight is something that you can kind of control yeah. um, or slow down till others can get there till you can get this guy in custody or, or person in custody. Um, but it's, I think, um, when we were doing it, I taught the the post course. It was a forty hour post course uh, that we co authored, got approved uh, by California Post. Um, I taught it for ten years. Um, you'd get a lot of people coming through there, a lot of different backgrounds, um, and a lot of the questions that we get from these other defensive tactics instructors from other departments. Well, how how did you guys get this approved? And I think ours was very unique because it started um, with upper management. They saw the need for it. They reached out to us. We were able to get together, write this course, and start teaching it. And I don't know that that would have happened anyway, anywhere or anywhere else. Because most people, when they come through the course and they were defensive tactics instructors, they would say, how did you guys get this approved? Well, it started from the above. We didn't have to try to pitch it. They came to us. And they saw that we had a unique skill set. We could apply that. And you know, we had to put on like a little demo and, and show some stuff. But... In talking to other officers, a lot of the resistance is upper management or somebody who's in place who uh, might be a use of force instructor for their department, but this person 
doesn't have the background, but they don't want to give up that position, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've been a I've been a Yusuf Force instructor for 27 years, and but never trained a J Jiu Jitsu, never wrestled, never boxed in life. But they they took a class to teach a class, but now they don't want to give up that position, so they don't want yeah. to bring anything else in, and that's a lot of the opposition that a lot of these departments are facing. So you 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 with a couple couple guys from that department actually created a defensive tactics class around what protecting yourself and then it came from upper management well we the situation happened we ended up with three officers not on the same three officers three just separate incidents within two days all ended up in the hospital and they said what is going on here we've got to do something uh offer more mm-hmm. um so they reached out to us we were able to put together this course uh present it to them and they the, their caveat was it's got to be post approved so we pitched it to um to post we got it approved and we're able to start teaching it. Um, it was a 40 hour course. We taught it over four days. Um, you know, and it combined you jujitsu wrestling and, uh, boxing. Now, now being a, now being a law enforcement uh, podcast and, and most of our listeners are pro- probably in law enforcement. What would be the difference between going to a gym, not knowing anything about law enforcement, throwing on a gi, rolling around on a mat versus a cop out on the street, wearing a full uniform, duty belt, firearm on his side, gets in an altercation, there has to be a difference in, in, in approaching tactics on, in how, in teaching jujitsu to cops versus just normal citizens. There is, because obviously you, you, like you said, there, there's always a gun in the fight, right? Because you're armed and we, and possibly somebody else is too. Um, but the, the, just the body mechanics of it, you know, you trying to, um, to move to get off the ground well you got a vest on you got a radio um you know you're trying to get your hips out you're trying to get up on a hip you know you have a gun on one side a walkie-talkie on the other mm-hmm. um your body is not you're you're not in a gi or gym shorts yeah you're way down with 35 pounds of gear now that being said you should i, I believe at some point you should always try we would we would teach without the gear on and then start implementing small parts of the gear um so as you learn the technique not to be overwhelmed then like final scenario stuff you start wearing your gi so you get the feel where or not the gi you start wearing your gear um but that being said if your department doesn't offer that and you need to go out and you start training at these jiu-jitsu gyms you i mean after you know you start taking these classes you realize what will work um what you can take you know it's like having that toolbox you know Mm -hmm. the hammer doesn't the hammer is not the fix-all sure there's certain tools for certain jobs and that's the same thing with jujitsu and wrestling. You can, you can pick and choose. Hey, this is, this is what I need. This is the situation I've been in. But that being said, you're putting in that mat time. You're getting that um, familiarity with someone being on top of you, close quarters. Um, what do I do from here? Because at, at first, when you start going, you're kind of over, it's overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you're, you're putting kind of strange positions. People are uncomfortable. But after a while, you start getting, oh, I've been here before. I've been here. I know how to fight out of this. So you don't uh, kind of get in that panic mode. And, and I think that's where a lot of cops shut down is they get someone on top of them. And they're like, holy shit, I'm not used to this. And they get in that panic mode. They stress out. You know, uh, then they kind of start shutting down at that point. So, yeah, you could hear when we taught the class, you know, we'd start out with, you know, our introduction. But then we do a roll, kind of see where everyone was. You kind of go down the line. You roll with the instructors. Um, and you start maybe kind of put them in a like a mounted position and people you'd hear the breathing start to escalate and they start to panic and they start reaching up at you, you know, and they're trying to push you off like from the chest, but mm-hmm. what's connected to is my hips that's connected to you. Like, yeah. and you're reaching out my chest, so I'm, I'm going to stay on you. And next thing you know, they flip to their stomach. So they're, they're, they're giving up their back yeah. and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to build their base back up where you're 
a lot of the stuff, like I said earlier, a lot of stuff that you would think would be instinctive might be wrong. And you don't want to learn that in a potentially deadly (laughs) situation. Yeah. You don't want to learn that firsthand on the street. Well, I think you had your first class in what, 2010, maybe. Yeah. I think we, I think we, we got it. I think we started writing it in 2009, got it approved and started teaching in 2010. So I did go through, I was one of the first few people, the group of, I I don't know, 10 or something that went through your first class and it was mind blowing and and life-changing for my own personal safety as a cop because I, I was super confident anyways, but you guys did a really good job and it was really slow and you learned the principles without gear on. And then like, like you said, as you went, then you incorporated like your duty belt and it was like, oh my gosh, like, dude, I can't, I'm on my back. I can't like move over to my hip. Like that's not, that's not an option. I got to like train a different way. And then the scenarios like slowly ramp up. And then I, at one point I'd been in a, like a legit situation where if it wasn't for that class, that dude probably would have killed me. And I remember I wrote a letter to management thanking them for that opportunity to, to take the class. And, and and I think you, you guys, you and the other couple officers, which, I mean, I wish we could name, but unfortunately we can't at this point and they know who they are to credit that, to save yeah. my life. And I, I guarantee you guys, when you've taught that class, you've saved yeah. others. It's, you've got to take something else. Well, and, and, but in a lot of that teaching that class is it's a 40 hour class, right? You kind of gauge it against yourself. Can, can I give myself from Monday to, to Thursday or Friday, would I give myself a better fight? I'm not looking at, you know, you're coming in, you're there. No one's going to be some jujitsu expert. At. They're yeah. literally, yeah. you go over the, the simple basics, put them in the, you know, your, the mount escape, side body escape, get back to your feet, access your weapon system, create that distance. Um, over and over and over again so that when they're in those situations it almost becomes instinctive and you don't want that to happen in a violent encounter what do i do what do i do mm-hmm. but even if your department doesn't offer that there are still jujitsu places that cater to that stuff and we have one here locally uh granite bay jiu-jitsu they do uh, a police jiu-jitsu program um you know ryan he he, he runs a school it's it's an awesome school a lot of law enforcement train there um, I know I'm plugging somebody, but no, go uh, ahead. Yeah, he, he deserves it. He deserves yeah, it. He's yeah. protecting he, he's, cops. He, he, he's, he's great. Um, it's if, if you're looking to get involved in it and you're looking to, um, you know, maybe, maybe you can't do, you know, a 40 hour week, but you can make, you know, a, a, a one hour class or two hour class. Anytime that you get on that mat that you're going to be able to start honing your skills and being put in new, um, positions where you're starting to learn from it's, it's needed, especially as you see attacks on cops more and more, more, more yeah. every year. Yeah. Well, we've talked about it a few times. You're only getting the minimal training within agencies. And then to have different options and to seek that stuff out, you're protecting yourself. Well, I, I mean, it's, let, let's all three be honest. We, we've all been cops for a long time. And, and I know you guys are retired now, but nonetheless, you still did the job for a long time. We are taught the most below basic stuff when it comes to controlling somebody in, in some type of resistance encounter, <clears throat> usually what we're taught is, is um, someone that's actually complying with you and how to put them in wrist locks and twist locks and stuff. But the moment someone is resisting you, that stuff just doesn't work. And then cops are just like, well, now what do I do? They just don't know what to do. But, and I, and I think there's certain things that need to be taught. Like um, I'm, there's certain things that are taught that seems kind of like the shotgun takeaway. Mm-hmm. I've, has anyone ever done that? <laughs> I, if, I, I'd love no. to. I'd, Jesus, I'd love to see that. That was stupid. Happen. But 
but you know, take that section out of post. Um, but one of the yeah. big things that we were teaching in the class is you watch UFC, you watch WWF, the sleeper hole, everybody, you know, the rear naked show, the sleeper yeah. hole. Um, and even in, you know, when they were teaching it in California, they would, they would show the application of it, but they never taught the defense. And that is something that, you know, you see little kids, you know, trying to choke. Yeah. yeah. And, and that is one of the biggest dangers to a, a cop is for someone to get a hold of their neck choke them unconscious yeah. and now now what happens is you know now they got their now they got your gun yeah you and up everything teaching the defense to something like that i think is huge and that was something that we would concentrate a lot on in that class is you take that back position you know you start trying to get around their neck and you know teach the defense of that because that right there is something that could save somebody's life i think more uh, you know, we're focusing so heavily on on uh, law enforcement and being educated on the stuff. I think also more importantly, I think the public needs to be educated on the stuff, and they need to understand that. Like, hey, if cops are trained this stuff, then it's like you you just said it. It's safer for us, but it's safer for them. It's safer for for everybody, right? Like, there probably would be less officer involved shootings um, when it comes to ground fighting stuff because cops would be educated on how to defend themselves and and be able to wrap somebody up and put them in a move and wait for you know their partners to show up. Um, so I, I do think it's important too, that the public is also educated on it. But, I, but I think when you talk about like fighting and jujitsu and all this stuff, as it relates to cops, people automatically, their brains go to UFC fighting in the octagon and what they see on TV and guys just basically beating the shit out of each other. Um, and, and I truly think that when we talk about this in a public setting, um, people's minds go there and then they start thinking, well, oh, well now we're training cops to just go out and, and beat the piss out of people. Um, that's my opinion. I think you're absolutely right because some, you sometimes you have a hard time just getting that message across in the department through management. People mm-hmm. who yeah. you know this is this is this is a post post approved course. This is something that officers are needing. These are something that officers are saying this is work for me. Uh, you know, in this encounter, giving specific examples, and they're like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, no, that seems I don't I don't like that. Yeah. You did bring up and you breezed over it, and I want to highlight it that there are officers that are in those positions that are in charge of training or they say, like you said, their defensive tactics and they've come, you've not only this class, but you've put on lots of other training classes uh, and taught other agencies and outside agencies. And they say, I'm the defensive tactics instructor. I'm the ACB instructor. I'm this, I'm that. And I never really thought anything of it until we pre-talked and you said, what is their background and why are they, um, qualified to teach that and a lot of them are not and like you said they don't want to give up those positions and they don't know okay i well, i don't want to teach this because because i don't know it so i'm not going to do it well and a lot of that too is when, when you're instructing you're there for you're there for the students right and so there's always going to be that question and answer there's going to be that dialogue well i had, I had this happen to me what should i do here mm-hmm. that you know and, and a lot of that was you know you got to be honest with it if someone asks a question you're like you know what we had a girl um, she was my old partner. She's like, well, I had this lady grab me by my, my ponytail and I was on the, you know, and it started this whole scenario. Well, none of us have ponytails. So it's something that we don't really give a lot of thought to, but you got to switch gears, be able to try to, you know, answer that question, relate to it and still be able to give them an option that falls within policy. And, but if you have someone who doesn't train in, you know, jujitsu, but they took a class, I took a class to teach this class. Mm-hmm. How are they going to answer you anything when they don't have a background? They don't constantly train in something and they don't have like the passion for it where a lot of it. If someone asked me, like, you know what? We, we had, 
you know, I was one of the jiu-jitsu guys, but we had a lot of guys who were better than me. Be like, I'm I'm not going to hog that question. I'm going to divert that to one of these other guys who are, you know, uh, much better at it than me. And, you know, hey, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know. But you know what? I'll find the answer out for you. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll roundtable it. We'll, we'll start working through it. And we'll get you that answer. Yeah. And, I, and when we talk about, you know, the classes that we teach, um, you know, uh, on our own through through the training business, like I, I say the same thing, you know, it's like um, you, you really should vet out some of these people that you're being trained by because there there are some people out there that do not have the credibility to be teaching what they're teaching. Um, you know, maybe they read a book or like maybe they had uh, they went to a class like you said, like a train the trainer class. And yeah. then all it's like all of a sudden, like they're the expert. I'm like, man, that's such garbage because, you know, guys fall for that stuff or, or, or gals fall for that stuff. And it's kind of sad because there are people out there that are very credible in, in, in their niche. And like, they are the experts in, in the field that they're teaching. So I, you said it, like I would vet out who you're getting training from. I think that is so important. Um, you should be asking questions. You should be, you should asking, be asking questions yeah. to the trainers, to the people that are putting on the class and not being a dick about it, but no, but if you, you have a question about something, yeah. ask a question and, and what is their response to that question? If they, yeah. you know, are like you said, are they like saying, Hey, I, I, I know somebody that's better in that, in that field or whatever. Like I will get you the answer, you know, versus someone that kind of blows smoke up your ass and then you don't even get an answer and they're not trying to find out an answer for you, but they're just trying not to kill their own credibility. And so like, it's kind of swept under a rug. Like that's when red flags should be going up being like, okay, well, what is your, what is your credibility in this whole thing? Well, in the 10 years I taught that class, we learned so much by that dialogue where you know, for introductions, you know, we give the introductions, give a little bit of our background, go around the room, get their background, have them introduce themselves, what they're, what they're there for, what, what they're, what they expect to learn. But a lot of times people already start asking questions. You know what, this happened to me and that, you know, it scared me enough that I signed up for this class. Mm. And it's like in teaching that class, it, it's a 40 hour class. It's just there to give you a little sample of hopefully spark an interest that you're going to go out and seek more training. Cause it's, you know, it's like anything else. You were probably never better shot than when you got out of the academy. But then, because you did shooting all the time. Well, you know, you got familiar for 40 hours on the mat, but now you're not going to do it. You've got to continue that training. You know, you've got to continue. We had people sign up for the class multiple times, you know, like once a year. And it's it, it was great. But with that, you got to you've got to get that training. There's other places to get it if, if you're not getting it at your department. Can you plug the? Oh, sorry, did I mean no, to cut you I was gonna say, can you plug the um, the uh, what is it? Sponsor uh, sponsor a cop that pays for. Oh, adopt a cop. Uh, I'm sorry, adopt a cop that pays for um, active law enforcement memberships for jujitsu up until they're. I think it's what blue belts. I'm not sure how the program works. I know uh, Ryan at Granite Bay. He d- he's part of that program. Um, so I don't have that answer for you, but I can get it for you. Okay. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I've talked, yeah. to, I've talked to a buddy who's involved in, with it and, and um, you, you guys can check it out. We can put it in, in the description of this video, but it's adopt a cop. And um, I think they're operated out of the East coast. And essentially uh, if you find a gym that, that honors it, they will pay for your jujitsu membership up until you're a blue belt. Um, you know, obviously there's some guidelines that you have to adhere by, but what a cool thing, man. I mean, like a lot of people don't do extracurricular activities because maybe they just can't afford it. Right. Like maybe they can't afford the gym membership. Um, like you said, Ryan from this granite, granite Bay gym, like he's offering that to police officers, right? Like you should take advantage of it. He's very law enforcement friendly. The clientele in there are great. Um, you know, I can't say enough good things about him. Can can you unplug? What's the name of his gym? Uh, granite Bay jujitsu. Okay. 
So when he, when he's been saying Granite Bay Jiu Jitsu, that's the that's gym the, that is. Okay, that's yeah. the gym he's talking I, about. Damn it! I missed that part. I thought he was just describing where it was, but uh, yeah, it's actually okay. it's Granite Bay Jiu Jitsu. So. Oh. That's really cool. Um, well, I think it's really important that you seek additional training because we've I've said it before. Uh, you only get bare minimal training and there's agencies across the country that get no additional training. And you're talking about your life. When you walk out that door and you have done the bare minimum and you get in a situation and you get your ass kicked, I hope you don't, but you do. And it, and maybe worse, your family and your friends and your officers and coworkers are left there watching, thinking you made no attempt to protect yourself. You never tried to better yourself and you have a family at home. Well, at that point, you're just hoping it works out for you. And yeah, that's just the wrong mentality to have. Well, and the thing we, you know, with our, we offered that class for free. It was like $99 to outside agencies. We, for several years, we had a hard time filling the class and we tried to do it where we had five instructors and we'd have usually between 10 to 12 students Mm -hmm. because we didn't let the students roll with each other because I mean, that's how we, yeah, obviously. So, you know, but we'd have a hard time. We'd have to cancel classes because people wouldn't sign up for it. That's and, it and it was like, you know, you have, until the department started hiring again and we're getting the young blood back in there and they're like, you know, a little more enthusiastic for it. Yeah. And we started training some of that stuff in incorporated into the academy. Mm-hmm. We weren't getting people. People wouldn't sign up for it. And it's, you know. you got to protect yourself. I think what it comes down to, dude, is um, do you think it's mandatory in, that all police officers go through a level of training for with jujitsu. I think I, you can man, you can, the, the problem I have with making something mandatory mm-hmm. is you're always going to have somebody who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Sometimes several people. And when you do, they, they kind of take your attention away from people who do want to be there. Mm-hmm. So opposed to me trying to convince this guy, this, this works that you should be here. This will help you out. And they're like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, you were supposed to show up in, you know, gym clothes and you're wearing, jeans and cowboy boots. Like I know, I know literally when you walked in the room, you didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. So you're, you're spending your time trying to convince this person. Um, when you, you should be concentrating on those who are there. They're there to learn. I think how we did it was the stuff that we started, um, that we find worked well, especially like the, the karate control, the defense to it. You start incorporating that in the Academy. So we're teaching this class, getting it taught into the academy so it's nothing new to them we'd have like a ground we'd have a pugilistics day uh, two days actually and then we'd have um you know a ground day and that way it, it you know these people are younger they're they're coming out there they they want they want training mm-hmm. you know where you get start to get people who are a little bit you know senior maybe a little bit salty no i don't doesn't i'm not going to do that so you know you almost got to concentrate on those who want to be there and you know if you don't want the training then that's like, fine. I like what you're saying because it's something not super new, but it is in law enforcement. And by starting back at the academy, you're going to have like that control group right now. Foundation. Yeah, that's not going to give a shit or a couple guys do it. But you start that and grain that into the academy, it's going to build. And then slowly the whole culture of the department is doing that. Well, and you start most, most I, I would almost guarantee that every department throughout the nation, you got somebody who was a, a good high school wrestler, maybe even a mm-hmm. college level wrestler. They, they're, they, they do jujitsu. You have these people in place that you could reach out to and have them start teaching these classes, but they're probably meeting some resistance 
At the top. At the top. Yeah. Yes. That's generally the case. Yeah. But that's where you have to be able to sell it. And you guys were successful in that. But, and also, but that being said, if, like I said, it started, it started with upper management. And yeah. I think that's why we were able to be successful with it. But, um, if you're not, you got to reach out. You could throw, you know, a dart on, on the map and jujitsu is so popular nowadays. You, there's, where, wherever we're at, there's probably 10 jujitsu schools, right? You know, that yeah. I, I drove no, past right. to get here today. Yeah. You know, there's, right. there's training available in the town that you live in. You can take it and you can apply it within your, your, you can apply that skill set within, um, your policies. Yeah. Before we wrap this up, what, um, what do you, what do you think your greatest accomplishment in fighting, um, has been to date? Um, probably controlling myself around Mark. not not beating Uh, no seriously like is there like a a specific fight you know um you know i I, like what what's been your greatest accomplishment you know as a you know as a fighter like what what has it been for you um i so when i was fighting muay thai um i went back i had fought a guy i'd lost him by split decision uh, on one promotion, they flew me back out there to fight him on another one. Where's there? So um, where was this? Colorado. At? Okay, Colorado. So went out there to fight him for the Rocky Mountain Bad Boys title and an ISK title. So the ISK title was like a Rocky Mountain regional one. So I beat him, and then they're like, um, "We can't give you the ISK title because you're not you're not from around here." So, but you knew that when I when you booked this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so I would have won two bells in one night. I. Settled for one. They, they, so. <laughs> they, they didn't want a California boy winning, winning the Colorado title. I hadn't been out in California that long, but apparently long enough they they went they they booked the fight. They wouldn't uh, recognize it once I won. So, That's but no, cool, it was probably probably some of the friendships I made though too. It's just like law enforcement. You know, you were around the same group of guys all the time. You know, same people you hang out with outside of yeah. you know family. Well, I would say because we did work together a long time. We've been through a ton of stuff, got a, a lot of funny stories and we'll be back for some other ones. But there was one thing that I'd always told my wife is that when I go to work and I am partnered with you and making all entries and all this stuff, there is nothing you would ever need to worry about because I will be okay. And if I'm not, he's going to drag me out. And I think that's the benefit of having a good partner. And it's, it, you're a humble guy anyways, but you were a badass and to see some of the stuff that you're involved in and to witness it, to be a part of some of that. And you were so controlled all the time. It, it's admirable. So anybody that had learned and taken any classes from you, I, they, they've taken more than you could probably imagine. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that, that's really cool. Um, I, I think this is a, such a, I think this is such a bigger topic that, you know, we, should spend a long time talking about. And I think, um, I think we'll probably dabble more, more into this conversation. Yeah, a couple of weeks, maybe do another one. Um, I, yeah, I mean, man, it's just, it's, it's such a popular thing right now, you know, and, and in talking to you and getting your insight, like it's just, uh, I, I, I think it needs to be talked about more, um, within our, within our community and law enforcement. So, um, I would say expect us to, to talk about this more. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get some more guests on that are, um, you know, involved in, in, in jujitsu and get their perspective on it. But, um, dude, thanks for, thanks for coming and and sharing your insight because you know, a whole hell of a lot more than we do. And, and obviously yeah. people are interested in this topic and I think they need to know about this topic. Um, and I think we just should keep talking about it. 
I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here. I, I know I'm not a cop anymore, but it's something I'm still very passionate about, you know, um, and I appreciate the opportunity to come on here, uh, but I, you know, I could keep talking and keep talking all night about it because it's something that, you know, I, I feel strongly about. And I, I hope, you know, like I said, the, the people who are taking that training, you don't need to worry about them because yeah. they're, they're doing what they, what they need to do. It's, it's trying to get those who are hesitant about it and, yeah. you know, try to get them, try to get them the time and the instruction that they need. Yeah. And I like how you said there, you know, we're, you can throw a dart, dart anywhere and you can probably land on, on 10 different jujitsu gyms now. They're everywhere. So there shouldn't be an excuse of like, well, I don't have those gyms around me. Like, no, it's there. Um, you just go out and find it. Uh, there are programs out there like Adopt-A-Cop that, that we mentioned earlier, and they will pay for your gym membership. Um, so the excuses start to kind of like dwindle more and more and more. Um, it just comes down to how bad do you want it and, and how bad do you want to be successful in, you know, your career and, um, God forbid something bad happens to you at work. Like, do you want to, do you want to survive through it? Like, that's what you have to ask yourself. And, and you, I think you hit on it right there. A lot of people who are taking the class, something bad had already happened to them. And it's like, yeah. I, I feel like maybe if you would have got sought that training first, yeah. you might have a different outlook on things. You're right. And we phoned somebody last week, my buddy, Rich, Rich Hartman, um, retired law enforcement officer for 26 years. And, and he's pretty heavy into jujitsu and, that's exactly why he started do, doing jujitsu because at his agency, he was getting his ass kicked and uh, very uncomfortable for him. And it scared the shit out of him uh, enough to where he's heavily involved in it. Um, and you're right, dude, you should never wait until something bad happens to you to like, Oh, for it to click in your head. Like I should probably be well-versed in this topic, uh, given that it's your profession. That's what you do for a living. So great, great advice The think about, what words of wisdom you want to give somebody think about that for a sec. I'm going to plug a couple things and then we'll come back to you. Check out SWATconference.org. They have a conference coming up the end of this, uh, into no, next month, April. into April, and then check out, uh, field survival training.com and go on there and sign up for the classes. There's a couple classes. We already have some booked out that are not on there and then more are to come. We're working on a couple different ones. So check out field survival training.com. Yeah. I'll, I'll be headed out to Texas here. Um, let's see end of May to speak at a conference and then, um, a couple other classes that I've got going on. So, and then you have yours in May. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, on the drive over here, I was talking to one of our good buddies, bounces some things off him like I often do. And we're talking and so I'm not going to take credit for it. It was his words. He was talking about getting people to start jujitsu. You know, a lot of people, especially in long, you, you might be 10 years into your career, you know, you're, you're, you know, 35 years old now, you know, and it sucks learning something new like that where you, you end up with bumps and bruises. And, you know, when you start this, you don't have to go roll with the, with a 20 year old guy in the class. There are other <laughs> yeah. people in there that are still career people who are there to learn and aren't going to go hundred miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So when, when you start that training, pick those people as your training partner. Don't try to, don't go with some guy who you're afraid might end up injuring you because you know, he's, yeah. he wants to go all out. Yeah. He's all out. He's much younger. He's fat. He's training for a competition. Go with these people who kind of, you know, Hey, I gotta go. I gotta get up and go work tomorrow. morning. Let's, <laughs> you know, hold guys. Let, yeah, let's, yeah. Let, let's take this, let's take this slow. Yeah. And that's where you're going to learn. That's where you're going to see your growth. And that's what's going to keep you coming back. I like it. Nice. Good, uh, good, good advice. Because I, I think that's a lot of scare for a lot of people. They don't want to get hurt. You know, they talk about like 
they rolled with someone that went 110 percent you're like whoa dude like you know i have to go to work every day so yeah. that's a good good point um well i say we ended on that um unless mark you have anything else to add no just in on toast um yeah we it's honored on to toast. have you uh, patrick right. dude thanks for coming in man I, I learned a lot honestly just from sitting here talking to you um it's kind of lit a fire under my ass to uh to go out and, and seek this type of training you know i'm still active in in the job and so i feel like dude i like I need this training as well. Um, you know, I'd be naive to say that I, that I don't, even though with a yeah, 15 years on, right? And, and I am, I guess, in a management role as a supervisor, but, you know, I, I do go out and work the streets and, and I'm interacting with people every day on calls and stuff, you know? And so I could very easily myself end up in, in a very bad situation. Um, so, yeah, thanks, dude. Um, hope you guys got something out of it. And uh, I guess we'll see you on the next one. So, cheers. Shot fired. Copy additional shot fired. Shot fired. Shot fired. Shooting at us. Shooting at officer.